we have a supernatural gospel that teaches us what to do, whether the land is flowing with milk and honey, or whether it looks like famine. You know, I wonder what Isaac thought when you know, his father was given the great promise of this tremendous blessing, and then the land has famine, and he's preparing to leave. Yeah. Doesn't look good, doesn't feel good. He's preparing to leave. What got him out of it? He heard an instruction from the Lord. And so us under the new covenant, we are no different. If anything, we've got the Holy Spirit within us. And there's always instruction from the Lord what to do in every season. You can expect and should be expecting instruction as to what to do, whether the season looks good or whether it looks like famine. And you're not to be moved. Can I say something to you? Uh, we're people of faith. Yeah. Yes, we're, we're not, we don't grumble and complain. I'm not saying you never feel like it. All of us want this to pass. All of us want the, the restrictions of um, 50 people or 150 people. We may be going down to 50 people for, you know, I believe it'll be a short season. Yeah. Can I just instruct you this one thing? Please praise your way through it. Yes. Please don't get caught up in the inward groan, the inward sigh. We are all feeling it. But when you put your focus on the Lord, I'm telling you, that focus on Him takes the fatigue out of you. It takes the stress out of you. Because when you're eating peace, 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 when you're eating peace every day, you, you can't, it comes against your flesh and your senses, but there's such strength inside. Yes. And you have to develop that strength for your life. So don't excuse this season. Oh, I can't wait to get past this. Uh, when we get past this, things are going to be great. Listen, this is a season for you to grow. That's right. I really mean it. This is a season for you to prove God's faithfulness, for you to prove the word. Amen. When you stand in faith and you're calling things and you refuse to be down, you refuse to let yourself get down. That's right. That requires a taking hold of yourself. Sometimes, some days or some months or some weeks more than others. But there's, if, if you'll do it by faith, many things will happen. But your trust in the Lord, oh my goodness, yes. will grow exponentially. And your trust in His plan, your trust in His pr- protection and His divine guidance over your life. And I guess that victory laugh on the inside just, just is so evident. Yeah. But you won't know that. If every time there's a challenge, you back down. If you're handling this season in your mind, you got to switch over. You got to switch over. When you wake up in the morning, you're not looking to the news. You're looking to the word. You start putting, I say, the gasoline in your mouth and you start blowing out the fire with the fire of God at the different things that are coming against you. Do you know it's not the least bit surprising to me that the finances in the church have dipped for the first time? Can I tell you why? Because God has gone out of his way to say for months, I think since last April, supernatural increase, increase is coming, things are coming. Listen, the spirit realm is very real. Now the devil cannot stop us, but he loves to put resistance in the spirit realm. And so what do you do? You don't even consider it. You don't even consider it. Because when the Lord has spoken, it's the truth. Amen. It's the truth. And I, I do look at Isaac. It just didn't look good. You know, when he's getting ready to move to a foreign land, it's because he's decreasing. He's looking out and he's assessing 
And in his mind, the best move is to get out of that place for a season. And what did God say? Don't you move. Don't you move. I'm going to have you do something that's supernatural. And when you do, you're going to reap. But if you're like everybody else, there was nobody else sowing in famine. Isaac is a type of us. Yes. We should never have it said in our, in our hearts, I don't know what to do. That's right. I don't know what to do. God will lead you. God will guide you. You might not have the 20 steps, but you'll have the one. And he tells us what to do. So what do you do? I like the, the way the word tells us, you know, we cleave to the rock. He's our, he's our everything, especially when we're going through something that no one's seen before. So you can't, you, know, you can't call up uncle so-and-so. You can't call up whatever. What did this look like when you went through it? Can I just tell you, can you imagine living through the times when all your young men were being shipped off to war? And the whole earth was undergoing such brutality. Millions were being killed on the battlefields. I read of one woman who sent four of her sons to war and none of them came back. We're not facing that, folks. This is not the darkest day in the sense of what's... It is in the sense that it's the end days. The morality is just... That's the darkest it's ever been. Evil spirits. But in terms of wars and things like that, look, this, this, is, not, this is not hard if you do it in the spirit. That's right. Can I tell you why? Because Paul, even in prison, it was so real to him. You can't fake it in prison. You can't fake it when things have been stripped away from you. You can't fake it when the ones you trusted turn on you. Paul said that. Not all of them did, but he he mentioned some that did. But when he's talking about, in Philippians, he's talking about the joy of the Lord. In some of those references, he's in the the pit. I'm telling you, he's in the pit. Why could he do that? It's not because he was religious. You can't do it if you're religious. You can only do it if you're blazing with faith, and I would say this, with intimacy with the Holy Ghost. We teach uh, faith here, I think, pretty strong. And we'll we'll continue, and with more revelation, teach it stronger. But the Lord has been emphasizing so much to me, um, praying in tongues. Praying in tongues, I think we've all known it. We've all known to do it, pray in tongues. But I'm telling you, for these last days, I believe we need to become experts in praying in tongues, praying in the Holy Ghost. I said on Wednesday night that um, you you have to train your mind. Your mind has to agree with the word. You have to renew your mind so it's not getting in the way. And it's more than just not getting in the way. Of course, that's where it starts. And when you stop getting in the way of the word, you start agreeing with it. It's, and it's more than that. You want a mind that's filled with the word, right? Filled with the knowledge of God. Filled with the knowledge of the word. So that you can really do what God wants you to do. But can I just tell you, if you're going to, you can still handle the word in your mind. Yeah. You handle the word in your mind. And I'll explain what I mean by that. You make decisions based on your mind. Your mind says, God wants me prosperous. So you go out and you start to try to get prosperous. Because you know God wants you prosperous, right? That's still your mind. Your spirit will take that word that God wants me prosperous and make it intimate and break it down into step one, step two, step three. Stop that. That's not right. Get back on the trail. And, it, and that is the praying of the Spirit is you praying out the path, but it's also causing you 
to be so sensitive. Yes. It'll give you that spirit of discerning. And sometimes you don't even know, need to know why. I heard Reverend Keith Moore say that. Sometimes it's just no. And those people will say, well, why? And he said, I don't know. I just know it's no. What is that? That's a discerning by the spirit. That's of your spirit. And so I said on Wednesday night, um, until you learn to lead with your spirit, uh, you're going to make mistakes. Even if you know the word, you're going to make mistakes. Knowing the word, you can know the word on healing and be sick your whole life. Because healing is of the spirit. And you, you do put it in your mind. You're washing your mind all the time, but you've got to get from here down into your spirit. Well, pastor, how do I do that? You pray in the Holy Ghost. You pray in other tongues. And it says, the word says that he builds like an edifice in you. You're built up inside. But you know, that's a very general term. In, contained within that is sensitivity to the spirit, understanding how he works with you, understanding what he's not. You know, when we were um, in a meeting on the other side of the world, I'll leave it at that, um, uh, we met someone who was going through a revival. Um, I don't even know, could be even happening today. And they were seeing miracles and uh, different things were happening. And this person was introduced to my husband and I, and as soon as I met him, now let me just say this, this man, there's miracles in his ministry, this man is a nice man. Like he's likable as soon as you meet him. He's sweet. And as soon as I met him, the hair on the back of my neck stood up. And I sensed demons. I sensed demonic power. And I went, I, I said to Craig when I walked, I was very kind to him because I'm not, his, my fight's not with him. If anything, he needs the mercy of God. Do you understand? And, and I know that somewhere along the way, deception has entered in. And he is uh, a victim. Without knowledge, you can become a victim. Right. Yeah, because I, I don't believe this man was intending evil. I really don't. But I said to Craig when I walked away from him, I said, oh, I feel demons. I said, that the kind of demonic power that you feel when you, when you meet, uh, like when you run into something of the occult. Yeah. And I said, I don't even know if he's at that status yet. I said, but warn, red bells, warning bells going off on the inside. But the devil's trying to lead him there if he's not there already. And because of a lack of knowledge and the, the markers that keep us safe. Because he, he, he won't know to heed those. Do you understand? He won't know to heed those. I said this on Wednesday night. When I came into this year, the Lord, and it was the Lord. Let me make that clear. It was the Lord. I, I would feel the Lord bear witness with me. And, and at times I would feel heat on my shoulders and chest and on my hands. And I knew it was the Lord. And so that began to happen more frequently. And I'm always grateful for whatever extra is of the Lord. I'm grateful. I don't go looking for it, but I'm grateful for it. And uh, I had an experience where um, I had heat flash across my torso. It was recent. It was in the last two weeks. And my whole stomach lit up with heat. And I thought, look at that. That's the Holy Ghost. Wow, he's bearing witness. So then I thought, well, I'm going to just pray in the Spirit because I know how to pray in the Spirit. That's, this is kind of a biggish thing. I'm going to pray in the spirit, you know, just to make sure, you know. And uh, I prayed in the spirit for a, a couple of hours. And not, let me just tell you right now, a couple hours, it's not hard anymore. I'm not hanging my own chain. I'm just yanking my own chain. I'm just saying, you, you get better with things. I like to settle down into it. 
I'm not forcing it anymore. That's the thing of the past. It's such a wonderful thing to get past the mechanics and to just the flow and to rest in. It's like you said, resting in the knowledge that you are loved and you are heard by God. That's the maturity of the believer. You don't, you don't go back and wrestle with that once you settle into that, right? That's the beginning. And so as I prayed out for just two hours, I wasn't forcing I wasn't trying to hear from God. I thought I heard from God, but I'm going to check my spirit against it. Why? Because the inner witness will never lead you wrong. A physical sign, a feeling, a mental, I feel good about it, can lead you wrong. Will lead you wrong often. So as I prayed, I began to feel, ugh, on the inside of my spirit. I thought, well, that's interesting. So I prayed it out and prayed it out and prayed it out. And by the end of the two hours, I went, nuh-uh, that's not the Holy Ghost. But I'll tell you, I was surprised. It felt somewhat sinister because the enemy, and I know it was the enemy. I wouldn't tell you if I wasn't sure. The enemy was mimicking God. It felt the same. The other times I had the bearing of witness inside with the heat. Can I tell you, I could care less. Lord, I, I revere your gifts, but I don't care about heat. I care about God. I care about the Holy Spirit. If he does that and that's well with him, it's well with me. But I'm not looking to that. So the other times, it was certain. But this time, I told you this because I went and prayed it out in the Holy Spirit because there was no, there was no green light. It was like my, my spirit felt blank. You know when you're praying about something, you haven't gotten the answer yet? It hasn't yeah. risen up as a, I know. Right. I felt blank and I thought, well, I'm going to need to pray in the Holy Ghost. But it reminded me that with the revival that's coming, and it's coming, yes, with the revival that's coming, uh, we have to be discerning. Because if not, we'll be hoodwinked into thinking something's the spirit, and it's not. And the devil, would, he loves to try to sound like God. Do you know how many times I've missed it? Because the voice sounded like God, but it was in my mind. It was in my mind. I didn't know it. I had to, I don't believe you have to fail, but the failures and turning to say, Father, what's going on? To assess it. And then feeling the genuine, the real, and then putting them side by side and going, oh, I'm gaining some skill here. Yeah. This one does feel different from this one. You know what I'm talking about, Lorraine. It's, but you have to pray in tongues a lot. Now, let me reassure you, praying in tongues becomes the joy of your life if you do it enough to get into the river. It's the easiest thing. You can ask my children. And, and I, there was periods in my life that did not have this. And I'm happy to tell you that. Not because I'm proud of that, but I'm learning. Now it's all the time. The kids hear us all the time. Your kids should hear you all the time. Yes, right. All the time. You're not forcing it. You're just making your breakfast, praying in tongues. Your kid walks up to you. What is it, sweetheart? Okay, all right. You know, you just, that's how it is. Pray, and it becomes so, so easy. But what you're doing is you're uh, cooperating with the Holy Spirit, and he's building an edifice on the inside of you. And you don't even feel the building of it all, but all of a sudden when you need an answer, it's there, whether it's restraint or the go. And I said this on Wednesday night as well. If you are going through life with, well, I, I feel peace about it. That's not enough. It's not enough. It's not enough. As you get higher, 
uh, in knowing the, the Spirit of God, I do believe that you can be more accurate with that peace. But you have to first, I believe, spend years identifying what that peace is. Because if you, any of us sit and talk with each other and have a coffee, well, I'll tell you, we missed it. Some of us missed it ginormous. And I told the story about going to, you know, getting ready to go to Peru. But why would you stay in your mind or why would you stay there with, I feel good about it? If you don't, if you haven't exercised yourself to know, and even when you have exercised, I've exercised myself to know some, but I still spent two hours praying out in tongues. And look at that. At the end of the two hours, not only was it a no, it was a major yuck on the inside. And it made me mad. I thought, it made me glad and mad. Thank you, God. Yes. I'd rather learn that lesson now. Yes. You know, and it reminded me, don't you dare look to physical signs. Right. Don't you dare look to things. The devil can mimic it. Yes. Don't you dare. You look inward. Yes. That's why you can have someone give a prophetic word and have all the look of God on it. And inside the minister can go, sit down, please. Right. Not to be cruel, but you're not speaking false words in this house. Yeah. Right. Because they know it here. Because, why? Not because they know it here. The Holy Ghost is saying, that's false, that's false, that's false. That's how you know. And so we have to be so discerning about those things. And, and you know, the Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians 14, 18, he said, I thank my God. He's giving thanks to God. I speak with tongues more than you all. Was he bragging? No. He was talking about, if you get up and I get up, I know I speak in tongues more than you. Why? Because he'd learned about speaking in tongues. He'd learned it built the track. Listen, if you can't get your body healed, you need to be praying in tongues. You need to be praying in tongues. Pray in tongues until something comes up out of your spirit. Pray in tongues until you wake up one morning and your body's healed. We have not mined the depths or we've not heard it when it was taught us because we weren't there. There's things you can't pick up because you're being built and you can't pick up level seven when you're on level three. You can't recognize it. It's not that you're resisting it necessarily. It's that you can't, you can't understand it. You think when someone says, this is what happens when you do this, you think, oh yeah, I understand it. But then when you get there, you thought, man, I didn't even hear what that person said. I, I was not spiritual in that area, not to that level. If you're facing something in your personality, if you're facing something in your finances, if you're facing trouble in the family that won't go away, you need to get in your spirit. You need to get down in your spirit. You need the baptism of the Holy Ghost and you need to pray in tongues all the time until you are led or until it, it overturns. What it, You say, well, I don't know if I'm that good at hearing from God. Listen, a lot of the overturning, God don't even say anything to you. He'll just turn it. He'll turn it. He'll turn it. I was saying on Wednesday, you know, one of my uh, children came to me and they were, they were a little bit concerned that something could go left on them. Something could just not work out right. And, uh, and I felt concerned for them. I felt, I felt concerned. You know that sick feeling you feel in your stomach when someone you love is kind of, they're, they're having a problem and you want to fix it for them and you can't. You yourself in this body can't fix it. And so... Um, Craig was in the room and I just thought, okay, he's here. I can, I can go for one of my prayer walks. And I said, as soon as I stepped outside the door, the Holy Spirit was waiting for me. And I actually said it out loud. I said, oh, oh, you're waiting for me. 
And I felt like I walked in a field of marshmallows for about an hour and a half just praying. I felt so loved. I knew it was taken care of. I, I didn't feel like I had to bind anything or come against anything. In fact, I knew not to. I just could stay in that sweet place. It was like meandering. And I just knew I was touching it and I was praying out the right words. And I felt so loved and I got back and I said, like, I can't wait to do that again real quick because you were waiting for me. And that is, that touches my soul, that touches my heart, that that's available. And so Paul said, I pray in tongues more than you all because he was telling the church, I don't want to be the one (laughs) that prays in tongues more than you all. This is for the church to pray in tongues more than you all, right? So you, he's stating here in his prayer life, he's praying in the tongue, tongues all the time, all the time, yes. all the time, yeah. praying in tongues. Thank God you can get out of your mind yeah. and you can just pray in tongues. Out of that place you'll rebuke, out of that place you'll bind because you're just, you're accurate. You're just accurate. You know what to do. And so he's told us, I'm praying in tongues all the time. So go with me to Ephesians 1, 16 to 19. This is what he says. I cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. So obviously, within these prayers, he's talking in tongues. You think he knows how to pray for the newly established church in English? Completely? Do you think he knows how to pray at all that? Not a chance. No way. There's no way. No human can do that. Because you've got to hold a place in the spirit. That's That's where you have the most effect. That's where you send danger away. That's where you establish a work. Remember he says, I travail again, for you that in Christ, that you would be, you know, you would be built up, that Christ would be formed in you. Do you realize the intangible of that? He's not there with them. He's fathering things. He might be with one. How do you do that? He's travailing in the spirit. He's holding a place in the spirit, in the spirit. That's why you can hear someone pray and they're saying all the right words, but it's flat. They're, They're using scripture. They're they're not, they're not an enemy of God. They're born again. Therefore, they're trying to pray. And then you can hear someone else get up, and it's like the air becomes charged. Yeah. You think God favors that person over that one? It's not that. It's that this one holds a place in the Spirit by be obedience in prayer. And it's for every one of you. Every one of you. Every single one of you. I remember when I walked into um, the convention center some years back. I don't know how many years now, but... Miss Terry Pearsons was holding prayer and I walked in and before I knew who was doing the praying, I walked into like an electric current. I thought, oh, I can feel the spirit of God. And it was because she knows how to get in the spirit. And that's, that's where we got to live. That's where we got to be. So he's telling them, I cease not, okay? And to make mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you what? The spirit. The spirit of wisdom and revelation. Not wisdom and revelation. That will come. It's the spirit. The Holy Ghost gives. It comes out of him. And it flows through you. The spirit of wisdom. Wisdom and revelation. That you may know. That you may know. That you may know. Well, God seems aloof to me. I can't get any answers. You're not praying in the Spirit. That's right. not, not like you should. You understand, everything he did was to rescue you out of the not knowing. 
out of the out of the harm. Hell comes against all of us, and it comes against us in different ways, very different ways. But the Holy Spirit knows how to get you out of it. And it's praying in the Holy Spirit, praying in other tongues, praying. Because some of the things that we're, we're in, they're traps. They're prisons. We're sitting in here today free, but the Holy Spirit has to lead you into your freedom. I know there are prisons sitting in this room, many of them. And there's some in my life that I'm trying to unlock, and I can't get there. But I can if I pray in the Holy Ghost. He'll unlock it. He'll unlock the things that need to be unlocked. But you will not do it in your mind. You won't do it with your 40 verses a day. Is it good to be disciplined? Yes, that's called the mechanics. Why do you learn the mechanics? You learn them. Listen, when you're learning soccer, coach gets you out, sets up the pylons. He's teaching you the mechanics. But you can't live there. You, do, you get to the point where you do it automatic. The point is automation. Automation. Your 15 minutes of prayer time in the morning is the mechanics. It's the automation. It's the I get up and I train myself to look towards God and I get up my devotional. We say it right sometimes. We say it wrong sometimes from the pulpit. We're not against 15-minute devotionals. That's great. There are some mornings where you end up there, but you can't live there. What we're trying to say is, oh, please get past the mechanics. Do the mechanics until the engine revs and all of a sudden your car starts to move and you go, wow, I didn't even know I could move like this. I didn't know. And when you start that movement, anything that you're dealing with that looks like it looked before, you can identify it's not that. No, it's this. It's this. It's the river. And that's, but you have to have the mechanics. And you have to do them and do them and do them until you slip into second gear. Right? That you may know. That your understanding might be enlightened. You're not supposed to live your life without your understanding being enlightened. Without your understanding being enlightened, you're not in light. Please, we all know that there's many times, if I, like if I take a poll around here today, is there something here you don't know the answer to? Yes, I don't mean that that's darkness. What I mean is that the answer has not come yet. But God tells you how to get your answer through the spirit of wisdom and revelation from the Holy Ghost. In the knowledge of Him, He knows. And here's the mother load, that the eyes of your understanding would be enlightened. That the eyes of your... Un- I'm praying for you, Paul. I'm praying for you. Yeah. I'm praying for you. I'm yearning for you. I'm trying to birth into you so that God would grant you. That he would come upon you. And I think there's a hint in there that maybe they weren't yearning for it themselves or didn't know how to get into it. That's what a spiritual parent is for. They yearn for those under them. They would get it. There's a yearning. There's a yearning that you would yearn for to to be able to get in the spirit by speaking in tongues that the eyes of your understanding, not your pastor's understanding, he can't live with you, that your understanding would be enlightened that you may know, that you may know what is the hope of his calling. What What is it, God? What is it? What's the plan? What's the call? What is this great call? And what is the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? Now let me go back because I think that the length of this sentence, I think we lose some of the translation of what he's trying to say. Like It's a long sentence and there's a lot packed in there, but look what he's saying. The riches of the glory of his inheritance. 
the riches of all that he has for you, the riches of the glory. It's glorious. It's not even just natural. It's got God's glory on it for you, right? In the saints. So that plan is in your spirit, but you got to draw it up. Or let me say it a different way. You got to drill down. You say, well, pastor, which is it? It's both. You drill down until you hit the gusher and up comes the answer. And you don't look for the voice of God. He'll speak to you when he's ready. You're looking for the bearing of witness. Pray until you know. Don't go until you know. Pray. Pray until you know. Don't make those decisions. And when I said this Wednesday, I'm repeating a lot of it. But when you go into the presence of the Lord, you have to, let, you have to take a hold of yourself and lay aside your desires. Yes. It's not a dying to what you want necessarily. I don't mean it like that, like you're stripped of those desires. It's just that you're placing them second place in case he's going to bubble something up inside of you that's going to take first place. And if he doesn't do that, then he'll just confirm what was already in your spirit or in your mind, right? But we need those confirmations. We need to lead with our spirit. We need to lead with our spirit. Listen, let me say this. I have been praying now for the last year, maybe a little bit more, for the people that are in this church that are wanting their divine spouses to come, that are not married, but want it. And I've been praying for them because it's an ache in my heart because I recognize how important that is. I know we laugh. I think we all laugh at things in life that are maybe too important to us. So we laugh to take the focus off of it because there's pain there. It's not just with spouses, with kids, with things. If there's too much, if we're too vulnerable there, we laugh just to cover how much we really want it, right? But I've been praying and I I just want to tell those that even have the desire in their heart You know, down in the honesty of their heart when they're alone and they don't need to say the right words or put someone off the trail, but in the deepness of their heart, if they're before God and they're saying, God, you know, I really would love that person to come. Do you know, I want to tell you something. Please, please don't just wait on God. Like just wait and wait and wait and wait for him to speak to you. Let me say it that way. You have been given tongues. You're supposed to be praying it out, setting aside seasons to pray it out, getting your Bible, going to sit alone and praying it out. You, what is that? It's proactive. It's building. It's like Pastor Nancy says, you're putting the tracks. If that person needs to leave another country and come here, you don't think God won't do that if you're praying in tongues? Well, praying in tongues is random. No, it's not random. Especially if you say, Lord, I'm going to pray this out now in tongues. Remember the wonderful testimony that Tyrone gave us? What do you think that was? That's a song. Look, I'm praying about this. I prayed about this in English. I'm going to pray it out in tongues. But what happens if I look back on my life, there's seasons where I really was waiting, waiting for God to say something. God, you know how important this is to me, and I do pray. So you're going to speak to me. And I want, I mean, that's fine if that's how it happens. The Lord spoke to me with Craig, but in many other situations of my life, he's not said a word. And how wonderful that you don't have to just wait. Don't just wait. Get up out of this place and go out there with revelation and go, you want me to know. You want me to know. And unless God's told you there's no space for you, he's got a spouse for you. Let's not make it complicated. 
You know what I mean? He's got a, he's got a wonderful spouse for you. He's, and, and let me tell you something else. When he gives you that spouse and you have a knowing on the inside of you, uh, you have battles ahead. <laughs> Just because he gave you that person does not mean life is now a bed of roses. Craig and I have fought our way through things, prayed our way through things, repented of carnal behavior, come back together because God's not quitting on us. And finally, after sitting under anointed word, there'd be times when I'd say, oh man, I am so wrong. Oh wow, I am so wrong. But under the washing of the water of the word, you can get your heart to a place where you're able to actually change something and it can correct things in your marriage, in your relationships, you know? And so praying in the Holy Spirit, I wanted to say that, I would say that to the young adults, but I would say that to anybody. Please, 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 take it up. Joshua, take it up. Pray out in the Holy Ghost. I know that many of you are praying and I know, but I want you to go into a second gear. I want you to pray until you begin to feel the percolatings of the Holy Spirit on the inside. And God will guide and lead you. And you, ne you never have to make a mistake going forward. Amen. But if you're, if you're ambitious, and listen, <laughs> when I say that, I don't mean to paint it like you're some selfish type A. Ambition is just wanting something too much yeah. Yeah. that you can't see. Because yeah. you just really want it. And if anyone touches it or dares even hint that that's not for you, it's like you clam up. Yeah. Don't touch that, don't touch that. I'm praying, God can talk to, like there's fear there. Right. There's fear there and, and the more you get into the flow of the spirit, oh my goodness, he will, he'll make you buy the right properties. That's, that's why we bought Oasis. I didn't even see that one coming. I think it was July the 9th. We were sitting there. I was not, Craig was up. He was actually teaching something and the spirit came on me and said, uh, there's a second property for the fields. This is the way he worded it. But it's, we're the figurehead. You understand? So that's what he meant. And I didn't know that, but I, I just pray in. So we start heading in that direction because I know the voice of the spirit. And, uh, and then just praying all the time. And because I, I saw Craig... I saw Craig on the dock. I saw it as a place of prayer. But I didn't know the ins and outs of it at all. I just knew the first step, a big one. And so um, Wednesday, or maybe a week later, I don't think I'd seen the property. I argued with Craig that I did, but I didn't. I don't think I saw it. I'm coming down with the kids. The music is on, and the Holy Ghost, pardon me, the Holy Ghost filled the van. And I wept and I cried all the way to church. And I said to Craig, I know the Holy Ghost. I said, that property's ours. That property's ours. Because I prayed in the Spirit. So I didn't have to handle it here. Right? Do you know how many things people have been praying about for years? They can't get an answer, and then they hear a minister say, you know, God will never let you down. God's always answered all my prayers. And you're sitting there thinking, well, what's wrong with me? Because I know God is good, but I can't get the answer. I'm giving you your answer today. When he told me in prayer, you're, he pulled back the veil and said, you're so fleshly. And I remember I told you I felt loved. What's he saying? You're fleshly. You need to pray in the spirit until you become spiritual in that area. Because there's answers that I have for you and you can't reach them because your mind is grasping, grasping grasping. Your mind is grasping. But you're supposed to turn that down, so down that it's not affecting you, and you're praying out of your spirit. 
out of your spirit. I know I'm repeating myself, but I have to. Because I remember sitting in church for years, and I'm just learning it in the last two years. And it's like, I'm thinking, where have I been? Well, I've been growing. I've been growing. But those days are gone. I don't want those days anymore. Everything's the spirit. What does the spirit say? What does the word say? I, I'm not smart enough. You're not smart enough to make all the right decisions. And the more you walk with the Lord, the more the devil will hinder you. He will, he will throw traps for you. Listen, when I was younger and I was more aware of the natural, I would hear ministers say that, but it didn't land in me. How real those traps were. How convincing they are. How they look like the real deal. Dad Hagen. Dad Hagen was offered something by men that wanted to, you know, set him up in ministry and pay all the bills. And it looks like God. It looks like God. When you've got nothing, and you know you're preaching anointed word, and it needs to go, go out, and you know God was talking to him about sending that, that ministry out into the earth, but he's got no means. It, this looks like God. They'll pay for everything. And God got the message. I can't remember if it was the Holy Spirit or an angel. I, don't, I can't remember, but... But God warned him. I think, I, think, I, can't, I think it was the Holy Spirit warned him and said, those men have ulterior motives. They will control your ministry if you let them buy these things for you. This is not of me. Now, you might think that's hard to give that up, but when, when you're acquainted with the Spirit, all you feel is rescued. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Because he's just told you, don't do that. I'm going to do it this way. That's a faith builder. The more you walk in the Spirit, the instructions of the Spirit become very, very easy. It waters your evangelism. Yes. See, what, what happens? You get told you're supposed to go out and evangelize, right? And we're right, we're right in saying that. But there's a better way. Yes. You know, operating by uh, feeling an unction from the Holy Spirit is so easy. Operating from going, you know, just door to door to door to door to door is not as easy. Do I say one is wrong? Absolutely not. I don't think it's wrong. It's just that there's, there's ways where there's accuracy. And the Spirit is guiding. And the Spirit will yield great fruit in those areas if we learn to listen to Him. Amen? So that we would know the hope of His calling. There's a great hope and a calling on your life. God has His eyes on you. It's a great hope and a great calling. And you will not get there if you're mental. Not, not, what, not what he's got. Not what he's got. There are many things that have been aborted. Many things have been aborted. And people even can even look like somewhat of a success from the... They've got money, they've got this, they've got that. Look at Dad Hagen. I mean, he, his ministry didn't even go worldwide until what? In his late 50s? When he, he set up the school and things began to percolate. And, but look how wonderful God built it. We're here today because he built it. Everything that comes out of this ministry is because of God hooked us up with Dad Hagen. Seriously, he is the father of what we're teaching and it, that revelation that God gave the body of Christ. It's not for a group of people. It's for every Christian that walks upon this planet. Just some will yield to it. Some won't and some haven't heard it. Right? Or they believe the lies. And there's a lot of lies. Hallelujah. <laughs> what is the riches of the glory? God is talking about the riches of the glory and your calling for your life. That's important. Amen. That's important. 
But if you do everything out of your mind, oh, it's okay to spend years qualifying. It's okay that it doesn't look like you're going to be second in Egypt, like Joseph was. He didn't look like it either. But he was qualifying in those years. He was qualifying. God gave him, he didn't know how to speak in tongues, because the Holy Ghost wasn't in him. God gave him dreams. And those dreams sustained him. They really did. Joseph believed those dreams. He believed those dreams. Because remember, he, was, he became like an interpreter for God. He believed in those dreams. And they came to pass. And God will bring the dreams for your life to pass, even if there's been a long season. But not if you're doing it in the mental. He won't. He can't. He can't. Because you're not... There's, there's a river that flows underground. This flesh suit is very, very strong. You're in it all day long. If you don't turn aside to, to, to speak in tongues, to let him make you spiritual through those languages, because you're praying for yourself too, and there's cleansing going on, there's things going on. If you don't let him do that, then you're, you're a good person with some word here. And you'll get some right. You know, like the nation of America, who I, I love dearly. I carry America in my heart. I believe I carry America in my spirit. But they were founded on principles that, of godliness. And so there's value for human life. I, I know about abortion issues and stuff like that, but I'm just saying like, we're, we're not like communistic countries where there's a lesser value and, and things are just not seen the same. There's human rights. There's humane treatment in the prisons. It's permeated the society. And that's a measure. It's, that's good. But for us, the body of Christ, we've got we've to walk in what the Lord calls the realm of the spirit. The kingdom of the spirit. It's a, it's a realm. It's not a closet. It's not a moment. It's not a good feeling. It's, it contains all those things, but it's not that. It's so much bigger. The walk of the Spirit is bigger than tongues. It's, it's so many different leadings. It's the way, different ways God speaks and supernatural and miracles and acts. But it's also the red flag, the restraint. It's also the, uh, you get up and God's been saying a word in your spirit. Not, a, not words, a word in your spirit. And you get up and your Bible reading for three days in a row contains that word and you just feel lit up on the inside. And he's bearing witness that I'm speaking that word to you. You know what I mean? When I uh, got the words for the song, A Great Awakening, that was in January. I tweaked the chorus. Actually, I got the chorus later. But uh, I tried to change the name of the song. And um, a couple of the words, and we were good with it. And I got up um, in the morning. I was not asking God about it. It was just a couple days or a day before I sang it, maybe a day or two before I sang it. And the Spirit came. And he said, I don't want you to change the name of the song. Oh, oh okay. So it's to be called The Great Awakening. Because I was going to call it The Mountain of Our God. And uh, it just surprised me that he would even care. Don't change the lyrics. And don't change... Don't change, because I was going to change just one part of the lyric, a couple of words. Don't change it. And I said, okay. And that morning, I just, I flipped on uh, Brother Copeland. And it was a recent show, and 
all through the all through the show he's saying, yeah, it's a great awakening. There's a great awakening, a great awakening. You know what I mean? Is that anything by itself? No. But when my spirit jumps, it is. And it is a great awakening. It's the time of the great awakening. But the way that the Lord does it is that he, the waters lap on the shore and then they get higher and then they get higher. Do you know how many people don't pay attention to what the prophets are saying? Yeah. Oh yeah, Pfft. you know, times supernatural increase and the offerings down to 30,000 again, yay. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. Spiritual, you gotta be spiritual, that's mental. Can your leaders miss it? Yes. Should they be missing it? No. Should they be missing it big? Never. But be spiritual about things and drill down because there's a hope and a calling for the church collectively. But we want to see you run your race. We don't want you to be mental Christians sitting in the seats. You can't, you can't get into the joys of great prosperity if you can't tithe. Just Plug your nose, close your eyes, and jump off the deep end and just do it. Because you know how many things we've had to do and be obedient and we didn't feel anything? Why? Because we weren't spiritual. But God in his mercy went, okay, they're not picking it up. I'm going to say it. And then we kind of go, oh, God's saying it. And we adjust. You, you make adjustments. If you're spiritual, you catch it. If you don't, then God will set things in action to, to try to get it to you. He will. He's merciful. Oh, my goodness, he's merciful. Like he told us the reason you didn't end up on the ash heap of ministry with Peru was because you did it in ignorance. You didn't stand there and go, well, we're going. I fear God. I'd never do that. It becomes disgusting to me if he doesn't want it. I really mean that. And, and his plan's better. <laughs> it's richer. It's fuller. It's easier. It's better. It is better. Whatever you're thinking, this could be great. He, he's better. You could do business in the natural and do great success. He'll do it with you better. He'll do it with you better. He'll build something you didn't even see coming. You didn't even see coming. So, our goal is to pray in the Holy Ghost a lot. If you're sitting here with addiction, pray in the Holy Ghost. Because he's got to get that healing, that renewal up out of your spirit, man. Until freedom comes. And you need to do it a lot. Praise the Lord. Amen. Glory to God. Do I have time? What time is it? Yeah, I have a little bit of time. So wisdom comes from God by his spirit. We're not talking about the mental wisdom. There's wisdom all over the earth. You know, the doctors, lawyers, you know, carpenters, engineers, teachers. That's all knowledge. That's all wisdom that they have. And it's wonderful. It really is. It's the spice of life. But it's not spiritual knowledge. You need spiritual wisdom. You need spiritual knowledge. The rest of it he gives anyway. You know what I mean? So let's look at 2 Kings. Uh, did, I was, did I say that right? I don't think it's 2 Kings. Just hold up there. I think I'm giving you the wrong reference. I'm not trying to psych you out. No, I'm, it's, it's the wrong reference. So 2 Chronicles 9. 2 Chronicles 9. And I want to talk to you about two kings, okay? One had divine wisdom, King Solomon. And one didn't, his son, who took up the, the throne after Solomon passed away, King Rehoboam. I think I'm saying that right, I don't know. 
And King Solomon heard from God, and I love it because God was so excited about his answer that he wanted wisdom. Because he said, I don't know how to lead these people in and out. What's he saying? I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah. I, I don't know what I'm doing. I know you put a call on me, but I don't have the first clue what to do. And that scares me. And so all the rest of it's good, but I'm not asking for that. I really need your wisdom. You know, and this is like us when we say, I, I really need your wisdom because I need healing more than anything else right now in my life. Or, Lord, I need your, your wisdom because my family's fallen apart and I need wisdom in that area more than any other area. Or whatever it is that you're dealing with. And so Solomon said, give me the wisdom from heaven. And God didn't just give him a cup full. I mean, he gave him an ocean. There was none like him before or after in terms of kings of the earth. And... I've, I don't know how much of this I'll read, but I might just, it's the chapter, but I'm going to just kind of do the highlights and some verses I'll read out. But I just want you to, I want you to hear this and realize how grand God made him because he asked for wisdom. And in the Old Testament, if you don't, you're not Solomon, but you've got the Holy Ghost. So that wisdom now lives inside. It lives inside. And the Old Testament is a type and shadow. So if God puts a man on these pages to say, if you ask me for wisdom, and then you see this flourishing, that's supposed to be what's happening in our lives. Okay? So Queen of Sheba comes, and she's been told different things about Solomon. And I love these words. She said to the king, the report which I heard in my own land of your acts and sayings and of your wisdom was true. But I did not believe their words until I came and my eyes had seen it. Behold, the half, half of the greatness of your wisdom was not even told me. You surpassed the fame that I've heard of you. And she said, blessed be the Lord your God who delighted in you and set you on his throne to be king for the Lord your God. She says, and it says, she gave the king 120 talents of gold, a very large quality, quantity of spices, precious stones. And these were new spices into the realm that came from her land. And the servants of Huram and those of Solomon who brought gold from Ophir also brought elgum trees and precious stones. The king made uh, terraces or walks to the house of the Lord, to the king's palace, with lyres and harps for the singers. None such had ever been seen before in the land of Judah. And she talks about, it, she was impressed by everything. She said the food of his table, the seating of his officials. It was very grandiose. It's very magnificent, very majestic. She said the standing at the attention of his servants, their attitude, their apparel, his cupbearers also and their apparel and his burnt offerings, which he offered, I'm jumping around here, at the house of the Lord. And there was no more spirit in her. She was so convinced when she saw it. And then we're going to turn over to the next, well, mine is next page, yours is verse 15. And King Solomon made 200 large shields or bucklers of beaten gold. 600 shekels of beaten gold went into each shield. And he made 300 shields of beaten gold with 300 shekels of gold spread on each shield. And the king put them in the house of the forest of Lebanon. Moreover, he made a great throne of ivory and overlaid it with pure gold. There were six steps to the throne and a gold footstool attached to the throne and arms on each side of the seat with two lions standing beside the arms. I mean, this is beautiful. This is grand. Wow. And 12 lions stood there, one on either end of each of the six steps. The like of it was never made in any kingdom before. That's how beautiful it was. It stood out. It was magnificent. 
And then you keep going and, uh, down to verse 22 and it says, King Solomon surpassed all the kings of the earth in riches and wisdom. Yeah. And all, the next verse, I love this, and all the kings of the earth sought the presence of Solomon to hear his wisdom which God had put into his mind. The earth had never heard that, that kind of wisdom. For them to line up, to hear words, just to hear him speak. I mean, it was an incredible thing. The utterance of the Lord was on Solomon, right? And this all came because he asked for wisdom. And then you got Paul saying, I pray that God would grant unto you a spirit of wisdom. It's not small, it's huge. It's huge. Would grant unto you a spirit of wisdom in the knowledge of God, in the revelation of God. So there's knowledge and revelation in the spirit that executes in the natural and in the spirit. There's some things you pray in the spirit, you don't do anything in the natural, it gets done in the spirit. Then there's other things that are executed in the natural, you know? Yeah. Taylor, I want you to buy this house. I want you to live there for four years. I'm just saying, those are executed in the natural, but you get them out of your spirit. And you rest the whole time they're being executed. Amen. Right? Amen. So see this parallel. Do not dismiss it because it was King Solomon and that no one looks like him today. He's a type in shadow. When you ask God for wisdom, he gives you his spirit. We are kings and priests unto our God. The time of wandering around in the dark should be over for us. Pray in the Holy Ghost. And know that you would come into the knowings. That you would come into wisdom. That you would come into the land that God has for you. Individually. For your families. For who you are. Pray in the Holy Ghost. Stop the tracks of the enemy into your life. Stop the confusion. Stop the lack of answers. Stop the questioning God who has given all. And while the devil beats your brains out and tells you God doesn't care, it's a lie. It's a lie. He's got the answer for you. You're not picking it up. Pray until you pick it up. Pray until you pick it up. This is a wonderful, joyous message. That you know when you go into your prayer closet, Rosh, God is waiting there. He's not standing off. Just you haven't picked it up in your spirit yet. Pray until you pick it up in your spirit. Glory to God. Now let's go to the second king. This is Solomon's son. Solomon probably had his wife raise this boy because he married foreign wives. And I actually believe there's scripture for that. I'm not just saying it as an opinion. But, you know, when you're a king, I don't mean to say it. It wasn't the most uh, progressive of times. It's probably not a far-fetched thing to say that the wife raised the son. Right? And so she doesn't serve God. So you've got Rehoboam who comes into the kingship. And listen to this. It says, and the people sent for him. This is Jeroboam, who's another character who basically takes over the north. But anyway... So it says, so Jeroboam, not Rehoboam, I'm talking about Rehoboam. So, so, so Jeroboam and all Israel came to Rehoboam saying, your father, King Solomon, made our yoke grievous. Now, can I say something? Solomon did not do everything right. And the more you read about Solomon's life, the more you realize that there were certain things that were not right. Right. But God had placed something upon him and some of it was very right. 
But you can see that the people are grieved. Okay, it says, your father, King Solomon, made our yoke, the burden on us, grievous. So now make lighter the grievous service of your father and his heavy yoke that he put upon us, and we will serve you. Because the new king has come. They're wanting something different from the, the burden. I don't think they wanted something different in terms of the grand kingdom and the peace that they had. But there were other elements there that were chafing them a lot. They were grieved about it. Rehoboam replied, come again to me after three days, and the people departed. King Rehoboam took counsel with the old men who stood before Solomon, his father, while he was alive. So they were his daddy's men, right? And they were older men. It says they were old men. What counsel do you give me in reply to the people? And they answered him, if you are kind to these people and please them. Oh, he had such a chance. And speak good words to them. They will be your servants forever. But the king forsook the counsel which the old men gave him and took counsel with the young men who were brought up with him and stood before him. The young men, the ones who didn't know much, who hadn't learned honor yet. And he said to them, what answer do you advise that we give to the demand of these people? Make the yoke your father put upon us lighter. And the young men who were, who were brought up with them said to him, tell the people who said to you, your father made our yoke heavy, but you make it lighter. My little finger is thicker than my father's loins. That's very insulting. Oh my. That's inappropriate in more ways than you can count. He should never have said that about his, look who Solomon was. How dare you? For whereas, my, he, this guy's arrogant. He's arrogant. For whereas my father put a heavy yoke upon you, I will add to your yoke. This is arrogance. I'm telling you. He had power. Look what he did with it. Your, my father chastised you with whips, but I will chastise you with scorpions. So my father hurt you, but I'm deadly. The third day Jeroboam and all the people returned to Rehoboam as he had said. And the king answered them harshly, forsaking the counsel of the old men. He thought his kingdom was safe, I think. And answered them after the advice of the young men, saying, My father made your yoke easy, but I will add to it. My father chastised you with whips, but I will chastise you with scorpions. So the king did not heed the people, for it was brought about of God that the Lord might perform his word, which he spoke by Ahijah the Shelanite to Jeroboam son of Nabat, while well, he was prophesied to rule the north. But it's only because Rehoboam was disobedient. He didn't serve God. And when all Israel saw that the king would not listen to and heed them, they answered him, What portion have we in David? This is a massive rending of the kingdom. They've, just had, they've had David's rule. Now they've got Solomon who's lived out his life and he's died. So the old men, you know, I don't know how much time is there. But there's been peace in Solomon's reign. There's been great majesty in the kingdom. The other nations are at peace and they're coming to ask for wisdom from Solomon. And now you've got the people. They're not going to have it. They're not having it. The new king is saying, well, I'm going to make your life hard. And so they revolt. And they say, we have no inheritance in the son of Jesse. Every man to your tents, O Israel. Now David, tribe of Judah, see to your own house under your tyrant king Rehoboam. So all Israel went to their homes. But as for the Israelites who dwelt in Judah's cities, Rehoboam ruled over them. Then King Rehoboam sent Hadoram who was over the forced labor. So he's one of his chief people. And the Israelites stoned him 
and he died. They're mad. You can send us who you want. We've made up our mind, right? But King Rehoboam hastened to get up, bet he did, hastened to get up to his royal chariot to flee to Jerusalem. And Israel has rebelled against the house of David to this day. And so you've got total success, in a, really. And you've got, well, in those aspects, because Solomon didn't, he ended, he went somewhere he shouldn't have gone in a very gross way. But in those two stories that I told you, look how far in one generation, one generation. It was upheld in Solomon's time. He has a son and it splits. There's only been two kings. It's only been David. Well, King Saul, but David is God's man. That's what I mean. So there's David and then Solomon and then, look, this is, this is David's grandson. It splits the kingdom because the people are not having it. And so that other character, Jeroboam, he comes in and takes over the 10 tribes of the north. And Rehoboam continues over Judah, which is the southern portion of Israel. And so it can go so right for you if you'll be not afraid, but sober and intentional about moving towards God in this area. It really can. It can, it can be a walk with God. There's nothing like Him. Nothing. Your spouse can't compare to God. Your children can't compare to God. He lives in. He lives inside. And then He's good to everything that you and your family are. He's the protector. He's the deliverer. He's the lover of your soul. Yes. It's all about intimacy with Him. And not because you're told you have to, but because He's inviting you into more. When I started looking into what I would speak, the Holy Spirit led me back here. How to be led by the Holy Spirit. And just to share and to stay here as long as I need to, to talk to you and discuss and flesh out some things, you know. But don't be at a disadvantage. He loves you. He wants you far ahead. He wants you ahead. Right. He's ahead. He's down the trail. Yeah. We're standing here today, and we have inward knowledge about the north. Yeah. I haven't gone to the north. never been there. How do I know that? Came out in prayer. Right. And then when it comes out in prayer, you turn your whole gaze on it. Because you know it's going to happen. We're talking about things we haven't done yet. Yeah. From a new building to ministries that go out into the earth, to uh, just, there's so, he's so far down the road. And I'm so grateful that's how he does it. I'm so grateful because he's out ahead of us. If you're praying in the spirit, you pray in the spirit a lot, if something hits your life that's hard, you're prepared. That's right. You might not enjoy what's going on, none of us do. The battle's not enjoyed, but you're prepared. Yes. You're prepared. You've schooled your senses to shut up and get into the Spirit. Plus, you know, uh, not a reliance on yourself, but a reliance on the Holy Spirit. I'm praying out things. I'm praying out things. God's with me on this. I might, be, I might not have known this was coming, but He knew. So He's ahead. And that way, you're, never, you're not scrambling. When your pastor calls a fast for three days, you don't panic. Listen. You're talking to somebody that has been awful at fasting her whole life. Awful. And felt bad about it. But I found that by praying in tongues, my focus is different. I'm able. So we can beat ourselves up or we can just get more proficient and more skillful. Right? So, but if you do it in the off season, oh, 
There's no panic. There's no rush. You just, with your Bible, sitting with the Holy Ghost, praying in tongues. What are you fasting for? Ah, oh, just seeking God. I'm not trying to get his attention. I'm trying to get my flesh out of the way. When your spirit rises, you can hear. You can see. You know where to go. He was there the whole time. He had it for you the whole time. You turning aside in any kind of fasting. If one meal is a challenge for you, great. Do one meal. Do one meal. Drink your coffee and do one meal. Just head in that direction. And don't do it for panic. Don't do it for fear. Don't just do it when you're in your hardest crisis. Please do it then too. But do it when you can shape your senses and your spirit to know that walk. I'm telling you, the way I hear some people talk about fasting, I mean, have you ever heard some people talk about fasting and it seems like such a delight to them and you think, oh, that's not me. I, I, I find it so hard. I find it so hard. Yeah, we do. They don't find it hard because they're on their 20th fast. They know what comes out of those fasts. They like the way they feel. Not physically, that's just a byproduct, that's lesser. They like the way they feel spiritually. They're able to overthrow things. There's might in doing it. You're all so easy to preach to, I have to stop or teach. <laughs> Father, thank you. I thank you, Lord. I, I feel that they're really listening this morning. I thank you for this church, Lord. Let it be a spiritual dynamo. Nothing on us, God. We just follow your instructions and you, you make us look good. But Lord, I just pray that you would make this congregation a congregation of the Spirit, praying in the Holy Ghost, warding off attacks, overturning the enemy, and flourishing, flourishing in everything that they are doing personally. That, that, that attention is drawn to them. Because others seeing their life, see the change, see the turn, and they know they don't have it. Christians and sinners. Oh, but it's by the Spirit, God. Thank you, Holy Ghost. Teach us, Lord. We need to learn. We need to learn. We want to learn that realm. There is an open door for us to step into. Get us in, Holy Ghost. Help us to be obedient and start to really pray. Lord, I thank you that for every person here that is obedient and starts to pray in the Holy Spirit, Lord, you will bring them in to, to a second gear and a third gear and a fourth gear and beyond. For those, Lord, that are struggling with being baptized in the Holy Ghost, I pray that your Spirit would come upon them that it would not, it would cease to be something hard, that it would cease to be a blockage, that in the, in the nighttime, in the daytime, in their home, in their vehicles, wherever, I'm asking you, Holy Ghost, to fall upon them, just like you did the apostles, with cloven tongues of fire. They would feel it, they would feel it in their spirit, and they would take courage, Lord, and they would begin to speak out, and thus begins, <laughs> and walk for them in the Spirit of God. Hallelujah. Baptize them with fire, God. Let them be uh, baptized, submerged in your Spirit. We love you. We thank you. Thank you for revelation, Lord. 
Thank you for not leaving us in darkness. Bring us into great light and we'll do what you say, Lord. We'll do it because we love you. We're here today because we love you. And Lord, we will praise our way through this season. This is a season. We are called to go into all the earth. We're going. The borders are going to open. Everything's going to open back up. Because that's how the call's fulfilled. So Lord, we're going to praise you. You're going to say of this church, you know what? They praised their way through. They got in faith. It was glorious to me. <laughs> Watching them praise their way through. And Lord, I know that you will lift all discouragement. You will lift all depression as they obey you, as they praise you in this season. We thank you, Lord. We give you praise. You're worthy. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen.